This is episode 5 of 50 is the new 50. Muzil! You're in Spain. Day... This must be day 2. Um, since you flew over. So, I hope that you're loving it. I love the photo of you in the snow. I think it's adorable. I'm going to frame it and put it somewhere. Um, but yeah, so being a bit slack on the old podcast, but it just took a while. It was a bit hard to do while I was away as well. But here we are. We have to go get back to the re- regular schedule once a week. Um, and plus, I'm actually really looking forward to reading the next chapter of me talk pretty one day. So yeah, let's get into it. Chapter 5. You can't kill the rooster. When I was young, my father was transferred and our family moved from western New York State to Raleigh, North Carolina. IBM had relocated a great many northerners and together we made relentless fun of our new neighbours and their pokey backward way of life. Rumours circulated that the locals ran stills out of their tool sheds and referred to their house cats as good eaten. Our parents discouraged us from using the titles ma'am or sir when addressing a teacher or shopkeeper. Tobacco was acceptable in the form of cigarette, but should any of us experiment with plug or snuff, we would automatically be disinherited. Mountain Dew was forbidden and our speech was monitored for the slightest hint of a rally accent. Use the word y'all, and before you knew it, you'd find yourself in a haystack, French kissing an underage goat. Along with grits and hush puppies, the abbreviated form of you all was a dangerous step on an insidious path leading straight to the doors of the Baptist church. We might not have the wealthiest people in town, but at least we weren't one of them. Our family remained free from outside influence until 1968, when my mother gave birth to my brother Paul, a North Carolina native who has since grown to become both my father's best ally and worst nightmare. Here was a child who, by the the time he had reached the second grade, spoke much like the toothless fishermen casting their nets into Albemarle Sound. This is the grown man who now phones his father to say, Motherfucker, I ain't seen pussy in in so long I throw stones at it. (laughs) My brother's... (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) okay deep breaths my brother's voice like my own is high-pitched and girlish telephone solicitors frequently ask to speak to our husbands or request that we put our mommies on the line the rally accent is soft and beautifully cadenced but my brother's is a more complex hybrid informed by his professional relationships with marble mouth deep country work crews and his abiding love for hardcore rap music He talks so fast that even his friends have a hard time understanding him. It's like listening to a foreigner and deciphering only shit, motherfucker, bitch and the single phrase, you can't kill the rooster. The rooster is what Paul calls himself when he's feeling threatened. Asked about how he came up with that name, he says only, certain motherfuckers think they can fuck with my shit but you can't kill the rooster. You might can fuck him up sometimes, but bitch, nobody kills the motherfucking rooster, you know what I'm saying? It often seems that my brother and I were raised in two completely different households. He's 11 years younger than I am, and by the time he reached high school, the rest of us had all left home. 
When I was young, we weren't allowed to say shut up, but once Rooster hit puberty, it had become acceptable to shout, shut your motherfucking hole. The drug laws had changed as well. No smoking pot became no smoking pot in the house. Before it finally petered out to please don't smoke any more pot in the living room. My mother was, for the most part, delighted with my brother and regarded him as the bemused curiosity of a brood hen, discovering she has hatched a completely different species. I think it was very nice of Paul to give me this vase, she once said, arranging a bouquet of flowers into the skull-shaped bong my mother had left on the dining room table. It's non-traditional, but that's the rooster's way. He's a free spirit and we're lucky to have him. Like most everyone else in our suburban neighbourhood, we were raised to meet a certain standard. My, father's, my father expected me to attend an Ivy League university where I'd make straight A's, play football and spend my time, my off hours, strumming a guitar with the student jazz combo. My inability to throw a football was exceeded only by my inability to master the guitar. My grades were average at best and eventually I learned to live with my father's disappointment. Fortunately, there were six of us children and it was easy to get lost in the crowd. My sisters and I managed to sneak behind the wire of his expectations, and we worried about my brother, who was seen as the family's last hope. From about the age of ten, Paul was being addressed in Brooks Brothers in Brooks Brothers suits and tiny clip-on reptiles. He endured trumpet lessons, soccer camp, church-sponsored basketball tournaments, and after-school sessions with well-meaning tutors, who would politely change the subject when asked about the rooster's chance of getting into Yale or Princeton. Fast and well-coordinated, Paul enjoyed sports, but not enough to take them seriously. School failed to interest him on any level, and the neighbours were greatly relieved when he finally retired his trumpet. His response to her father's impossible and endless demands has, over time, become something of a mantra. Short and sweet, repeated at a fever pitch, it goes simply, fuck it, or on one of his more articulate ways, fuck it, motherfucker, that shit don't mean fuck to me. My brother politely mams and sirs all strangers, but refers to friends and families, his father included, as either bitch or motherfucker. Friends are appalled by the way he speaks to his only remaining parent. The two of them once visited my sister, Amy and me, in New York City, and we celebrated with a dinner party. When my father complained about his aching feet, the rooster set down his two-litre bottle of Mountain Dew and removed a fistful of prime rib from his mouth, saying, Bitch! You need to have them ugly-ass bunions shaved down is what you need to do, but you can't do shit about it tonight, so lighten up, motherfucker. All eyes went to my father, who chuckled, saying only, Well, I guess you have a point. A stranger might reasonably interpret my brother's language as a lack of respect and view of my father's response as a form of shameful surrender. This, though, would be missing the subtle beauty of their relationship. My father is the type who once recited a bawdy limerick, saying, A woman I know who's quite blunt had a bear trap installed in her, oh, you know, it's a base, vernacular word for the vagina. He can absolutely kill a joke. When pushed to this limit, this man who shouts fudge, a man who curses drivers with a shake of his fist and hearty GDU, I've never known him to swear, yet he and my brother seem to have found a common language that eludes the rest of us. My father likes to talk about money. Spending isn't, doesn't interest him in the least, especially as he grows older. He prefers money as a concept and often uses the term as annuity and fiduciary, which words definitely not listed in the, in the dictionary of mindless entertainment. It puts my ears to sleep, but still, when he talks, I pretend to listen to him, if only because it seems like the mature thing to do. When my father talks finance to my brother, Paul will cut him off saying, fuck the stock, the stock talk, boss, I ain't investing in shit. 
This rarely ends the economics lecture, but my brother wins bonus points for boldly voicing his uninterest, just as my father would do were someone to corner him and talk about Buddhism or the return of the clog. The two of them are unapologetically blunt. It's a quality that my father admires so much. He's able to ignore the foul language completely. That Paul, he says, now there's a guy who knows how to communicate. When words fail him, the rooster has been known to communicate with his fists, which, though quick and solid, are no longer, no larger than a, than a couple of tangerines. At five foot four, he's shorter than I am, stocky but not exactly intimidating. The year he turned thirty, we celebrated celebrated Christmas at the home of my older sister Lisa. Paul arrived a few a few hours late with scraped palms and a black eye. There had been an encounter at a bar, but the details were sketchy. Some motherfucker told me to get the fuck out of this motherfucking face, so I said, fuck off, fuckface. Then what? Then he turned away and I reached up and punched him on the back of his motherfucking neck. What happened next? What the fuck do you think happened next, you bitch? I ran I ran like hell and the motherfucker caught up with me in the fucking parking lot. He was all beefy, all flexed up and shit. The motherfucker had a taste of blood and he just pummeled my ass. When did he stop? My brother tapped his fingertips against the tabletop for a few moments before saying I'm guessing he stopped when he was fucking finished. The physical pain had passed but it bothered Paul that his face was all lopsided and shit for the fucking holidays. That said he retreated to the bathroom with my sister Amy's makeup kit and returned to the table with two black eyes the second drawn on with mascara. This seemed to please him and he wore his matching bruises for the rest of the evening. Did you get a load of that fake black eye, my father asked. That guy ought to do makeup for the movies. I'm telling you, the kid's a real artist. Unlike the rest of us, the rooster had always enjoyed our father's support and encouragement. With the dream of college officially dead and buried, he sent my brother to technical school, hoping that he might develop an interest in computers. Three weeks into the semester, Paul dropped out, and my father, convinced that, it, that his, son, his son's lawn mowing skills had bordered on genius, set him up in the landscaping business. I've seen him in action. And what he does he is establish a pattern and really tackle it. Eventually, my brother fell into the floor standing business. It's hard work. Floor standing, sorry. It's hard work, but he enjoys the satisfaction that comes with well-finished rec room. He thoughtfully called his company Silly P's Hard Word Floors. Silly P being the name he would have chosen were he a rap star. When my father suggested that the word silly might frighten away some of the upper, upper tier customers... Paul considered changing the name to Silly Fucking Peas Hardwood Floors. The work puts him in contact with plumbers and carpenters from such towns as Bunn and Clayton, men who offer dating advice such as, if she's old enough to bleed, she's old enough to breed. Old enough to what, my father asks. Oh, Paul, those aren't the sort of people you need to be associating with. What are you doing with hayseeds like that? The goal is to better yourself, meet some intellectuals, read a book. After all these years, our father never understood that we, his children, tend to gravitate toward the very people he's spending his life warning us about. Most of us have left town, but my mo- brother remains in rally. He was there when our mother died and still, years later, continues to help our father grieve. The past is gone, boss. What you need now is some motherfucking pussy. While my sisters and I offer our sympathy long distance, Paul is the one who arrives at our father's house on Thanksgiving, offering to prepare traditional Greek dishes to the best of his ability. It is a fact that he once made a tray of spanakopita using palm rather than melted butter. Still, though, at least he tries. When a hurricane damaged my father's house, my brother rushed over with a gas grill, three coolers full of beer and an enormous fuck-it bucket. 
a, pl a plastic pail filled with jawbreakers and bite-sized candy bars. When shit brings you down, just say fuck it and eat yourself some motherfucking candy. There was no electricity for close to a week. The yard was practically cleared of trees and the rain fell through the dozens of holes punched into the roof. It was a difficult time, but the two of them stuck it out, my brother placing his small scarred hand on my brother's shoulder to say, Bitch, I'm here to tell you that it's all going to be alright. We'll get through this shit, motherfucker, just you wait. So that's it. Um, this is the schedule I've decided from now on. So I'm going to record on Sundays. Because I'm not going to get a chance during the week. So I think Sundays is the day. Which means you'll wake up with an episode on Sunday mornings. So that might be something that you'd like to do then. Well actually hang on. Every day is a holiday for you now. So yeah. You lucky duck. Um, anyway. Until next week. Love you.